Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of Kumo tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. And we're brought to you by Discover Card. We treat you like you'd treat you. October has been an embarrassment of riches for sports fans. Last night was no exception. Lots going on. We'll begin with Sunday Night Football, which I'll quickly hit here. And I think the Saints have now established themselves with the win over the Minnesota Vikings, going on the road, getting redemption for the Minneapolis miracle or the Minnesota miracle or whatever you want to call it last night. The Saints now have won six games in a row since they lost by eight in the opener against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the initial installment of Fitzmagic. We'll get to that for an update a little bit later, but... The Saints with a 10-point win on the road against the Vikings. Drew Brees basically very mediocre at best. If I had told Viking fans, hey, Drew Brees is only going to throw for 120 yards, he's only going to have one touchdown pass, you would have thought you were going to be in outstanding shape. Probably won this game going away, but it wasn't to be wasn't to be at all. This is kind of one of those games where you look at and the stats lie to you because the Vikings put up 423 yards to the Saints' 270 yards and there weren't that many swings and misses in terms of the turnover battle. 
which actually the Vikings won. The Vikings actually ran the ball pretty decent for them. And yet, they still found a way to lose this game. It's very frustrating, I think, if you are a Vikings fan to lose. And if you're the Saints, you're ecstatic. Because Saint fans out there have to be just delirious. And now they get a chance to establish themselves as the best team in the NFC if they can beat the Rams in New Orleans next weekend. So that is Sunday Night Football. We'll get to it here uh, in, in a greater detail as the uh, as the first, second, and third hour of the show obviously unpack. I'll go into all the big stories to me from uh, from the NFL and college football over the weekend. But Major League Baseball also came to a close last night. The Boston Red Sox winning the series in five games. This is what it sounded like in Chavez Ravine last night with a 5-1 win over Clayton Kershaw and the Los Angeles Dodgers. The game that I think will probably be the most memorable, certainly, Friday night's 18-inning epic affair that the Dodgers won by one game. I think there will be a lot of of questions about the decision in game four to pull a starting pitcher who was rolling and end up uh, throwing everything away. Uh, We'll bring in Danny G to ask him about that. But first, let's go ahead and listen to what happened last night. Machado pinwheels the bat. Nobody on base, two men out. Bottom of the ninth, 5-1 Red Sox. Sale winds, he fires. Swing and a miss, strike three, it's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. The Boston Red Sox beat the Los Angeles Dodgers 5-1. They win the World Series four games to one. And the Red Sox become the first team in the 21st century with four world championships. Can you believe it? They sprinted from the bullpen. They sprinted from the dugout. They're mobbing each other between third base and home plate. And the Boston Red Sox are the champions for 2018. They win their 119th game this season. Can you believe it? This is the classiest, most together group and the most selfless group of players I have ever been around, uh, Lou and Tim, and uh, they deserve this. They are truly number one in this game. All right, game five, uh, again, David Price, I would say, has erased and exercised a lot of the demons that existed surrounding his postseason failures. Three really good performances, by and large, down the stretch. Um, And I think a lot of people, again, are going to remember about this series. Game three, which the Dodgers won in 18 innings. And then the game four decision, which even our president tweeted about, Donald Trump. And I'm going to read you this tweet because it's probably the only thing Donald Trump's ever sent that every uh, person in the city of Los Angeles has agreed with uh, on the Twitter machine. Watching the Dodgers-Red Sox final innings. It's amazing how a manager takes out a pitcher who is loose and dominating through almost seven innings, Rich Hill of the Dodgers, and brings in nervous relievers who get shellacked. Four-run lead gone. Managers do it all the time. Big mistake, exclamation point. And I was reading this, and I'm like, what if Donald Trump had a second career on Twitter as the most reasonable sports uh, prognosticator in America, where he just tweeted things that were almost universally agreed. Danny G, as your reward for getting the Tiger uh, Tiger guy, Tiger Killer, on the show, 
you went to, I believe, game four. Do you agree with Donald Trump's tweet? Were you furious over the pulling of Rich Hill? You don't even know. <laughs> yeah, and first of all, good morning, Clay. Yeah, thank you. You wanted to send me to Friday's game, but I had a gig already booked and on the calendar for months, so I kept my word and my commitment, did the uh, the DJ gig, and bought tickets for the Saturday game. And I'm like, all right. And so you can imagine how nervous I was watching that 18-inning marathon and Muncie with the walk-off, and so I'm so hyped and excited Got the date, got everything ready for Saturday. Four to nothing lead. This girl's all over me, kissing, hugging. She was having the best time of her life. And then Roberts pulls Hill. There were, yeah, there were a couple of Red Sox fans in our section. They were cheering when they saw Madsen. They were cheering even louder when they saw Ford. Two of the Dodgers' worst relievers go into probably the biggest game of the entire season can't comprehend it the entire city has been outraged all weekend over it and it ruined yesterday's game obviously because had he let rich hill go into the eighth inning and then maybe brought jansen in for the last inning that's probably how it should have went if that would have happened the the dodgers would have rolled into sunday with all the momentum and it would have at least gone to six seven games back in boston so dodger fans all agree with Donald Trump. It was funny. Yesterday, I'm on Twitter, and I see Coop, our very own Coop, retweeting <laughs> Donald Trump and agreeing with him. That's when I wondered if the world was spinning you know, the other direction on its axis. So when Coop is agreeing with Donald Trump, you know that Dave Robertson upstairs in the front office, they done screwed up. It is pretty wild. I mean, I really do think that's probably the only thing that Donald Trump has ever sent out in certainly his political era that everybody almost universally in the city of Los Angeles has agreed with. But I think it speaks to a larger issue, which is I don't understand why managers get into the postseason and they turn these games into, uh, I mean, you know, I mean, what, what did there was like 18 pitchers or whatever the heck there was in that 18 inning game. Yeah. At least that went forever. But a lot of those guys come in for one batter and, they, and then they disappear. I, I just think it's a, uh, I think it's a messy situation. I think also if you're a Dodger fan, that one feels all the worse because you look back and you think, man, we've been in the World Series for two straight years. It's so hard to get in the World Series. Has that window closed on this particular team? You figure Machado is probably going to go elsewhere. Uh, you also figure Clayton Kershaw, who's been such a dominant pitcher for so long. I believe he's got an option to decide where he wants to go and also the question of has he reached kind of the apex and is he now on the backside of his career it's just a team that's going to look a lot different, notwithstanding the fact that they have some good young stars. But baseball comes to a close. Big win for the Red Sox. And to me, the storyline on the Red Sox, and we've, we've talked about this some on, on the show, this is their fourth title since 2004. And so uh, for a lot of people out there listening right now to start off their morning, 2004 doesn't seem like it was that long ago. Right, It doesn't seem to you like it was that long ago. It's whatever it is, 14 years ago that 2004 existed. But if you are a kid right now listening to me, and there are a lot of kids listening on their way into high school, on their way into middle school, with your parents in the car, whatnot, you basically now know the Boston Red Sox as the most dominant franchise in Major League Baseball history in your life. And most kids, I remember being a young kid, when you're 14 or 15 years old, 
you don't care about anything that really happened before you were born. So if there are kids out there that are 14, 15, even 20, you know, there's an entire generation of American sports fans now because most kids, if you're 20, you don't really remember anything in the world of sports before 2004. Most kids out there listening to us right now, college kids, their lifespan, the Boston Red Sox are the most dominant Major League Baseball franchise of all time. I think John Morosi said to us, which was pretty funny, that he was talking to a buddy, and that buddy said, uh, who are you rooting for? And asked his kid, who are you rooting for in the Red Sox-Yankees series? And he said, the Yankees, because they never win. Which is just so amazing to think about as the world of sports changing in an utterly different direction. The Boston Red Sox were the ultimate losing franchise in all of American pro sports. And in the last 15 years, they have turned into one of the greatest championship franchises of all time. And even wilder, if you go all the way back to 2000 now, so you just think about 21st century baseball, the Red Sox have got more titles, I believe I am correct on this now, since 2000 than the Yankees. Look that up to make sure. I think if you go back to the year 2000, so you just say, okay, let's only talk about 21st century baseball. The Red Sox are the 800-pound gorilla and the Yankees are the franchise that is hoping to one day catch up to the standards of Boston Red Sox excellence. So that is an unbelievable alteration in the space-time continuum of the world of sports. It's it's just, for somebody like me who's 39, it's amazing to think about the Boston Red Sox as the most successful franchise in Major League Baseball. Now with its fourth title, the Red Sox are, since 2004. And for a lot of you out there who are older than me, you grew up with this, oh, the Red Sox will never win a championship, this sort of uh, New England fatalism, oh, we're always going to find a way to lose. And, man, just another championship for the city of Boston, but another one significantly for the Boston Red Sox. So we will discuss that, obviously, as the show continues. When we come back, I will dive deeply into the NFL and college football, tell you all of my biggest takeaways from all of the weekend that was in the world of football. We appreciate you starting off your week with us, spending your Monday. I hope all of you had fantastic weekends. I hope whatever Halloween parties you went to were extraordinary. I was the macho man, and my wife was Miss Elizabeth. I tweeted out a photo of it. We'll hear what the guys are doing for Halloween as well. On a positive note, now that the Red Sox have been eliminated or have eliminated the Dodgers in five games, you don't have to worry if you're a dad or mom out there about Game 7 coinciding with Halloween night, which was a little bit of a fear, I think, from a decent number of people. So you can just kick back and get ready. we got a big uh, Monday night football game tonight, and big is in quotation marks because the Patriots are going to murder the Buffalo Bills. Uh, but other than that, we're kind of coming back into a calm stretch after the insanity of October for so long. And in the meantime, we know you're all big sports fans. Football season's here, and for a lot of people, they are excited to wager on games. You can get in on the action with MyBookie.net. MyBookie.net is the industry-leading sports action website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take aside the total, or you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score. MyBookie.net lets you play online and win big. Use promo code CLAY 
when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie.net has live in-game action on every major league event, even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie.net than today. Go to MyBookie.net to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. Use promo code CLAY, again, MyBookie.net, promo code C-L-A-Y, to get a 100% sign-up bonus. MyBookie.net, promo code CLAY for a 100% bonus. No deposit necessary. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. NFL and college football breakdown up next here on OutKick. Be sure to catch live editions of OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back, Geico OutKick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Okay, we have got a lot of different uh, games to dive into. Uh, Let's start in the NFL with all the games that took place over the weekend. I'll give you my biggest takeaways of all of the NFL weekend that was. And honestly, there were not that many close games, but I thought it was a weekend that certainly gave us an indication of which teams really are at the absolute apex of uh, their ability. Let's start with last night's game, which many of you may have missed. You might have been busy. You might not have been able to keep up with it. The Saints win 30-20. to I believe we have a couple of different highlights. Let's start with the Vikings' Adam Thielen, who is – you can make an argument on this right now. You can make an argument, and it's not an illegitimate one based on the stats, that Adam Thielen has become the best wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, He has been on an absolute tear. He had seven catches for over 100 yards again last night and a touchdown. The longest one, well, that touchdown catch just about. Here, uh, his eighth straight 100-yard game for Adam Thielen. Here is his touchdown catch last night. Third and long, passes over the middle, caught by Thielen at the 31, turns it up right side, gets a block from Rudolph at the 25, and Adam Thielen is to the 19-yard line, and that is a 27-yard completion, which means Adam Thielen has 102 receiving yards, and he has more than 100 receiving yards for an eighth consecutive game, tying a National Football League record set by Calvin Johnson in 2012. That's actually obviously the catch to make it eight straight uh, uh, 100-yard receiving games. That's the Vikings radio network. Pretty incredible accomplishment. I think there's a good chance that he's going to break that record. And uh, at least if you are a Vikings fan, even in the wake of this defeat, you have to be impressed with uh, the degree of uh, the degree of connection that exists between Thielen and Kirk Cousins, as well as Stephon Diggs, who also had a couple of big catches and went over 100 yards. But it was the Saints making plays, in particular the Saints defensive backs who have been picked on all offseason after the way that Minnesota Miracle game ended. They got a pick six to, uh, to help uh, erase some of the awfulness of the way last season ended. Here is the Saints uh, radio network. This pick six gave the Saints a commanding 27-13 to lead and effectively put this game away. Second down and eight for the Vikings. Cousins in the shotgun ball at the 44 of the Vikings. 
He's got two receivers tight out to his left, feeling alone to his right. Cousins drops back, looks right under pressure, throws it, intercepted at the 45. Eli Apple, he's going to return it all the way. He's going to walk in. I'm sorry, P.J. Williams, 45 yards on the return, and P.J. Williams in the Saints defense with a huge play here in Minnesota. Again, to me, the biggest takeaway from last night's game is that it would have been one thing if the Saints had gone in and Drew Brees had played like Drew Brees is playing, which is at an MVP level. Instead, Brees was very average. Probably the worst game Drew Brees has had maybe in a couple of years in terms of the overall statistical performance. He only threw for, I got the stats that I'm going to pull up in front of me right now, he only threw for 120-some-odd yards. And so uh, 120 total yards, he also threw a pick, only one touchdown. That's about as bad as Drew Brees is ever going to be in the passing game. And yet the Saints still found a way to win this game by double digits. They also got outgained by like 150 yards. The, the Viking fans are sitting back saying, man, we're 4-3-1. and one. And at the halfway point of the season, and look, I picked the Vikings to go to the Super Bowl. There have been some signs that suggest, you know what, this could be a really good football team. But they lost at home and got blown out by the Bills, who are going to get blown out, by the way, tonight by the uh, by the Patriots. And they also found a way to lose this game to the Saints to fall to 4-3-1. and one. And I don't know, you know, you look forward, and there are a couple of really tough road games coming up now. They have to go on the road against the Lions, who are going to be desperate to get a win after not playing very well at all against the Seahawks. And then they have to go on the road against the Bears. Uh, That's pretty difficult back-to-back. And then as if that weren't tough enough, the Packers are going to come to Minnesota. And then you also have to go on the road against the Patriots. So the next four are really, really tough for the Vikings. To be honest, this was a game that they really needed to win. They needed this win a lot more desperately than the Saints did. Now, if you're a Saints fan, Saints get to go back home, and they're going uh, to host the Rams – and they have a chance to take over commanding lead early in the NFC, get that head-to-head tiebreak, and establish that they are, in fact, the best team in the NFC. So this is a big signature win, I think, for the Saints to get redemption for what happened to them in uh, the playoffs. Big win there. The other game that uh, was uh, primarily viewed by a nationwide audience, hell of a game, the Rams come back, find a way to get past the Packers. And this was a gambler's, uh, you know, like drove gamblers crazy because Todd Gurley made the decision not to run into the end zone, also hit everybody who had the over in this game because it was set right at 56 and a half. There are 56 points that have been scored, and this is what it sounded like as Todd Gurley broke into the open field, and it looked like he might ice this game with a touchdown. Instead, this happened. Higby motions to be the tight end strong left. They will toss Gurley in that direction. 20-25. He's got a lane. He slows down. He stays inbounds, and he's tackled inside the five. The NFL's touchdown leader surrenders a surefire six to ice a week eight victory. How about Todd Gurley? The one time you need a touchdown. A lot of fantasy football owners also out there. Todd Gurley later told uh, our friend Lindsey Theory, who covers the uh, the L.A. Rams for ESPN, uh, man, forget fantasy and forget Vegas. We got the win, so that's all that matters. So the Rams did indeed get the win. 
establish themselves for right now, the only 8-0 team in the NFL. They have got a heck of a game coming up on the road against the Saints. But for right now, the Rams are 8-0. Of the 8-0 teams that have that have been in the past in the NFL, 25 of them, you know, kind of a statistical breakdown here. There have been 25 teams start off 8-0. Uh, eight of them went on to win the Super Bowl. So uh, we'll see what happens with the Rams, whether they can follow in the, in the wake of those uh, other 25 teams. I believe 13 reached the Super Bowl. Eight went on to, uh, to win it. So statistically at this point, the Rams, if you look at past NFL history, about 50-50 to be in the Super Bowl and about a 1-3 in three chance to actually win the Super Bowl if you look at past 8-0 and teams. Uh, let's run through everything else here on the flip side. But first, let me bring in Ralph Irvin and get an update. He'll give you an update, a few more of these highlights, and then I'll tell you my other big takeaways from the NFL weekend that was. Well, thank you very much, Clay. And we'll start, of course, with the World Series where the Boston Red Sox are the world champions. They beat the Dodgers Sunday night 5-1. They take the series four games to one. Steve Pierce, two home runs Sunday night. He was named the series MVP. David Price earned the win. He went seven innings, allowing just three hits. You mentioned the Rams just now. They are now 8-0 after beating Green Bay 29-27. Andrew Luck had three touchdown passes. And Adam Venetieri, he became the NFL's all-time leading scorer. As Indy pounded Oakland 42-28. James Conner, 146 yards on the ground. Pittsburgh cruised past Cleveland 33-18. In tonight's Discover Card key matchup, Calgary Flames take on the Toronto Maple Leafs at 7 Eastern. Speaking of matchups, become a new card member in Discover Card. We'll match all the cash back that you've earned dollar for dollar at the end of your first year. Learn more at discover.com slash match. And there were four games in the NBA since we're going to focus on the NFL during the show. Might as well hit with these. The Clippers hammered Washington 136-104. Nine players in double figures. Golden State a winner at Brooklyn 121-14. Utah beats Dallas 113-104. And Oklahoma City gets 23 points from Paul George and Russell Westbrook. They beat Phoenix 117-110. Now back to the Geico Outkick Studios and Clay Travis. We are indeed here in the Geico Outkick Studios. I hope you guys had fantastic weekends. I'm about to dive into the NFL biggest takeaways as we work through everything that took place over the weekend. We are coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios. There it's easy to say. 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Uh, if you are a Cardinals fan, the Cardinals got their first win, and Josh Rosen looked pretty good. I, I watched a decent amount, embarrassingly, of this game. Josh Rosen, late touchdown pass to Christian Kirk, the former star, Texas A&M Aggie. And the Cardinals found a way to get past the 49ers. Josh Rosen looked, like I said, very good. I would be optimistic if I were a Cardinal fan based on how he looked. The sad season of the 49ers continues. Essentially, the moment that Jimmy Garoppolo tore his ACL, uh, this season was over for 49er fans. Really, it's just a question of what do they want to do in the draft uh, as you come into the second half of the season because you are going to have a really, really high draft pick. The Colts and the Raiders. This is an interesting storyline here. You look at what the Colts are doing. Andrew Luck is quietly putting together a pretty good season and a comeback after missing an entire season last year. And the Colts have come back from dead a little bit. 
They scored 21 unanswered against the Raiders. This John Gruden experiment so far for the Raiders have, has been an abject disaster. But the Colts are a little bit of an intriguing team right now. I don't know what's going to happen in the AFC South, but the Colts have risen back up to 3-5. and five. They have got the Jaguars coming into Indianapolis this weekend in what effectively, if you are a Colts fan, is now an opportunity for you to, uh, I think, eliminate the Jags from serious competition. You can drop the Jags to last place in the division if you are the Colts and you can get a win in that game. Then you've got the Titans coming to Indianapolis after you, well, sorry, you got a bye week. You got a bye week, but you're going to have the Jags then come in to play the Colts. So the Jags coming back from London, we're going to get to their game here in a minute. But you do have a chance if you're the Colts to get a get a big win there. Then you've got the Titans coming to town. Then you've got the Dolphins coming to town back to back to back. If they win all three of those games, and I don't think that's a crazy idea to think about if you are a Colts fan, then the Colts could suddenly find themselves at 6-5 and five and feel like they're squarely back in the middle of the AFC South playoff picture. So the Colts, uh, having won now two straight games, they beat the Bills, they go on the road and get a big win against the Raiders. The Colts now can think about getting back to even. If you're a, a, uh, if you're a fan of Andrew Luck, if you're a fan of the Colts, could be a really good run that they are poised to get on, uh, getting back to three and five. The big story, I would say, for the Colts has been they're protecting Andrew Luck now. This offensive line is starting to gel, and if you protect Andrew Luck, he's a pretty damn good quarterback. What has happened in the past is he has gotten destroyed trying to throw the football. They are now protecting him big time. Uh, performance by the Colts to come back. Raider fans, Bay Area football fans, just turn the page. Start thinking about next season. Uh, the Panthers. I believe that Cam Newton, I said on Lock It In, the television show that I do, that I loved Cam Newton this week at 28-1 to to win the MVP. And then Cam Newton went out and played an absolutely phenomenal game for the Panthers. I mean, he was extraordinary. And what I said on the show, I stand by. By the way, Cam Newton, 21-29, two touchdowns. He also had a rushing touchdown in 50 yards. I said, going back to his time at Auburn, I have rarely seen a quarterback that is more of a momentum player than Cam Newton. When things start to go well for Cam Newton, and I think the Graham Gano 63-yard field goal, I think the comeback from 17 down to score 21 points in the fourth quarter, and now this beatdown of the Ravens, which dropped the Ravens to 4-4 four and four at the halfway point. I think this performance was the kind of thing that I've come to expect from Cam Newton, which is he gets on a roll and he keeps that roll going. If you're a Ravens fan, I don't know what you take away from this performance. You sack the Titans 11 times. You can't do anything against Cam Newton to fall to 4-4. Four and four. The Bears get a win over the Jets. Still not sold on the Bears. Still not sold on Mitch Trubisky. But compared to what they have been, Bear fans have to be pretty excited. The ongoing uh, you know, difficulties of rolling with a uh, rookie quarterback continue. Sam Darnold was just okay. This was the best game of the early slate. It was the Bengals against the Buccaneers. The Bengals go out. And it looks like they are going to completely blow out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're going to talk about this and unpack this game a little bit more as the show continues. 
But I believe Jameis Winston, who threw four interceptions, has now thrown 10 interceptions on the year to lead the NFL, is done. I think that he is finished in Tampa Bay. I think there's no way the Bucs can give him $20 million plus a year. I think if you combine that with his behavior off the field, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are probably going to move on from Jameis Winston. Now, maybe, maybe, maybe they are crazy and they decide to give him $20 million for year five. But based on what we have seen so far, I don't think there's any way the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can stick with Jameis Winston, particularly because Fitzmagic is back. Fitzpatrick came in and he was extraordinary. He rallied the uh, the Buccaneers all the way back. Uh, the easy way to break this down is he was 11 for 15 for 194 yards, two touchdowns, and the two-point conversion. He had a perfect QBR, effectively, when he came in in relief of Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston posted a 47 QBR. Ryan Fitzpatrick posted 154 QBR. It's a done deal. Well, maybe I'll take your calls on some of these, but I, I'm convinced there. The Seahawks, maybe given up for dead too soon. They went on the road and whipped the Detroit Lions. That game surprised me. The Redskins ended if there was any whimpering hope in the Giants' season. They put it to a close. The Giants fall to 1-7. and seven. The Steelers beat down the Browns. Baker Mayfield mania effectively over. He was exposed in that game. The Chiefs get to 7-1. and one. Hang on against the Broncos and the Eagles in the early game. We got to unpack what happened with the Jags as well. The Eagles get to four and four. The Jags fall to three and five, and they get four players detained slash arrested for a late night issue with paying for bottle service in a London club. Unbelievable story there. We will continue to unpack all of these stories as well as dive into the weekend that was in college football. That is the weekend that was in the NFL. Want to come back and talk to you about Fitzmagic versus Jameis. Am I wrong or am I right that in my mind, you have to let go of Jameis Winston and move on and hand the reins to this franchise for the rest of the year to Ryan Fitzpatrick and maybe go ahead and clean house new GM, Dirk Cutter potentially gone as head coach and let the Bucks go back into the draft and try to make a decision to go get a new guy. I've got a couple of stats on Jameis Winston that are going to blow your mind and basically confirm, I think, if there are any doubters out there, that Jameis Winston is not the guy for this franchise and not worth $20 million going forward. I'll unpack all that for you in the next segment. My name is Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. Appreciate you spending your Monday morning with us here on Fox Sports Radio. Sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie.net. MyBookie.net is the industry-leading sports action website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score. MyBookie.net lets you play online and win big. Use promo code CLAY when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. Did the game already kick 
kick off. Don't sweat it. MyBookie.net has in-game live action on every major league event, even eSports. There's no better time to join MyBookie.net. Go to MyBookie.net to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CLAY when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. Visit MyBookie.net's website today and use promo code CLAY to get a 100% sign-up bonus. MyBookie.net, promo code CLAY for a 100% bonus. No deposit necessary. Terms and conditions apply. For entertainment purposes only, void were prohibited. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. I got to tell you, I don't see how Jameis Winston comes back in given the way that Ryan Fitzpatrick rallied the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And maybe it's just me, but it appears that the offense believes in Ryan Fitzpatrick in a way that they do not believe in Jameis Winston. And let me give you a couple of stats that would give you an indication of why that might be. Uh, This is pretty wild. Jameis Winston has played 48 games in his NFL career. He's thrown 50 interceptions and fumbled the ball 21 times. That's 48 games he's played in, and he's got 71 turnovers. That's a pretty unbelievable statistic right there. It's also a pretty unbelievable statistic that when you dive into the numbers at the quarterback position so far this year, Jameis Winston has thrown more interceptions than anybody else in the NFL, and he has only played in four games total, three starts. Jameis Winston tied for the NFL lead, I should say, with 10 interceptions. He's only started three games, and he's only played in four games, so he's played about half as much as anybody else has, and he is now tied for the NFL lead with 10 interceptions. We've got audio of Jameis Winston being asked about being benched. Let's listen to that right here. It was very humbling, but uh, it's not about me. It's my fault that we were in that position. He had to make a decision, and Fitz came in there and fought his tail off. Our offense responded uh, greatly, and we came back and tied that game up and gave ourselves a chance. I just know that I have to fix this problem, and I will. I know I will. It don't come with being being scared. Uh, it comes with looking in the mirror, uh, taking a, a long, hard, deep look at myself and bouncing back from this. Yeah, I will persevere. Sometimes interceptions are not all on the quarterback. I went back and watched all four of the Jameis Winston interceptions. I think they were all four on the quarterback. I don't think somebody ran the wrong route and left him out to dry. I don't think you got a tip ball that went up into the air and, you know, it just had a bad break and somebody else caught it. These were four bad throws. And he's now had 10 bad throws. And I come back again and again to Jameis Winston saying, well, I'll get it fixed. What part of that are you going to get fixed? You have played in 48 games as a starting quarterback in the NFL, Jameis Winston. You have turned the ball over 50 times via interception and 21 times via fumbles. This is what Jameis Winston is. 48 games, 71 turnovers. Nobody else is even close to those numbers at the quarterback position. And it's not as if you can say, well, yes, he's a gunslinger. He throws a lot of interception, but the results have been positive. He's throwing a lot of touchdown passes and leading his teams to victory too. No. The Bucs have been awful with Jameis Winston at quarterback. Now, it's not all his fault. The reason partly that they were down so much against the Bengals is because their defense stinks. 
This is not a good team that he's a part of from a defensive perspective. But every time Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in, there's really good offensive talent in the passing game. O.J. Howard's a really good NFL tight end. Fitzmagic hit him for the tying touchdown. Deshaun Jackson is a really good number two NFL wide receiver. Mike Evans, if he had a great quarterback, is as good of a wide receiver as there is in the NFL. Zero doubt Mike Evans, one of the 10 best wide receivers in the NFL. Especially when you consider the quarterback play that he's had to deal with. The guy just gets open. And if he's not open, you can throw him open because he's such a ridiculous athlete as we've seen all the way back to when he was making plays with Johnny Manziel at Texas A&M. I don't think that you can continue with Jameis Winston. I think this is the first big decision that a team is going to have to make. If you are dirt cutter, are you willing to give Jameis Winston the reins to your team for the rest of the year in a really difficult NFC South? Remember, you got to play Cam and the Panthers. You got to play, and you already have played at least once, the Atlanta Falcons in that offense with Matt Ryan, and you have to play Drew Brees again. Fitz was amazing. He went on the road and beat the Saints. That's how good the ceiling can be for this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team if everything is clicking. And you also come back, Fitzpatrick got benched for one bad half in a game that the Bucs were awful in against the Chicago Bears. One bad half. Jameis Winston threw four interceptions in less than three quarters and finally got yanked. I don't know how you hand the reins back to him. I really don't. We come back at the top of hour two. I'm going to dive back into the NFL, but I'll also open up the phone lines. Hour two, your opportunity to react to anything that happened in the NFL or anything that happened in college football. We come back top of hour two. I'm going to jump right in to that Georgia-Florida game, why I think it was significant. We'll talk about uh, all of the games that took place. Notre Dame, big win over Navy. I'll break down the college football playoff picture. We'll start to talk a little bit about Alabama LSU. Kentucky got a big win on the road against Missouri. All of that and more, our college football breakdown. By the way, in hour three, as we always are, we'll be joined by Alex Marvez, our NFL expert, to break down everything there. But coming up, top of hour two, I'm going to take you into the weekend that was in college football, let you know who's headed for the playoff if the season ended right now, and how I would break down all the major conference championship races, including Washington State and Mike Leach. Boy, are they ever on fire in the Palouse. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, as we roll into hour number two, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. All right, I want to start off with this. The University of my breakdown of college football, the University of Missouri got absolutely screwed. There was an atrocious penalty called on them for uh, pass interference on the final play of the game against Kentucky. Missouri, with about five minutes to go in this game, was up 14-3, to which was the same score of the game going into halftime. Missouri did not get a first down 
in the entire second half. I don't know how that's possible, although I will say that they gained eight or nine yards, it felt like, on every possession and were like a yard away from getting a first down. If this game were replayed, I think that Missouri should have won by double digits. They should have won with ease against Kentucky. Now, they did not. The Kentucky Wildcats got a punt return touchdown, and then they had a great final drive, which should have ended with an incomplete pass being thrown out of the back left corner of the end zone. Instead, inexplicably, a penalty flag was thrown even though the receiver initiated contact and the ball was uncatchable inbounds. These are both indisputable facts if you watch the replay over and over again, as I have done. As a result, Kentucky got one untimed play, and this is what it sounded like on what I believe was the wildest ending to a college football game in last weekend's contest by far. Here's what it sounded like. Wilson will throw. End zone. Touchdown. C.J. Conrad. Let's go. Kentucky with one of the more improbable wins. Beats Missouri 15-14. I was watching it live. So they got an untimed play after a bogus pass interference call. And as a result, Kentucky is number 11 in the country and they will be hosting Georgia with a chance to try to take control of the SEC East race. Meanwhile, CBS is also going to be airing the uh, incredible game uh, between LSU and Alabama with the Crimson Tide going on the road in Baton Rouge. So CBS, and I'm writing about this today, has got an incredible duo of games. But that was completely the wrong call. And it raises my larger issue with why do we allow games to be decided entirely on judgment calls when I think anyone who watched this on replay would acknowledge that that at best was a no call for Kentucky and at worst should have been an offensive pass interference call which Missouri could have declined and the game would have ended. Blown judgment call costs Missouri the game. I don't understand why we have this rule in place, and this is a larger context for me, of saying, well, you can't question judgment calls. Almost everything is a judgment call. When you blow a call like that, the game's outcome swings. And this was a bad weekend for SEC officials. I watched a lot of college football, as I always do. I think they also blew a call in the Tennessee-South Carolina game, which really doesn't matter. In the grand scheme of things, these are two mediocre teams. But they had an eight-point swing when they missed a fumble at the goal line that Tennessee recovered, and they didn't get the right call there either. So I, I just I don't understand how when games actually really matter, and I do think the Missouri-Kentucky game really mattered, how do you blow it like that on a call that allowed an untimed down to even take place. I just, I'm in disbelief over how badly that game was officiated. All right, 
other big stories, big takeaways from college football. And by the way, you can react to anything that I talk about, 877-996-6369. We typically don't have guests in hour one or hour two of football Mondays. So we can open up the phone lines a little bit for you guys. Double field your calls, 877-996-6369. What about the beatdown that Clemson put on Florida State? If you are a Florida State Seminole fan right now, 59 to 10. And there wasn't even a score, I don't believe, in the first quarter. And yes, I bet on Florida State and Willie Taggart. Bad move. Does Willie Taggart really deserve a year two? If you were judging a guy entirely based on his performance over the course of one year, hasn't Florida State been so bad that Willie Taggart wouldn't really deserve a year two? He's going to get a year two. But based on the results on the field, I think Willie Taggart has been the most disappointing first-year hire in all of college football. Florida State has been an abject disaster. Speaking of abject disasters, Wisconsin has fallen apart. Northwestern is now in control to win the Big Ten West after they whipped Wisconsin in at Northwestern. Yes, either Michigan or Ohio State, it appears, is going to advance right now and play against Northwestern for the Big Ten title. You talk about a game with everything potentially at stake for Michigan and Ohio State and nothing at stake for Northwestern. They could be the ultimate bomb to blow up the ability of the Big Ten to put a team into playoff this year. And if you're out there saying, well, Northwestern won't even be close against either of those teams. Remember, Northwestern had a 17 to nothing lead against Michigan, and Michigan was very fortunate to come back and get the win there. Georgia dominated Florida in the second half. Absolute beatdown from the Bulldogs over uh, the Florida Gators in the second half. This is about what I expected to see a little bit more in terms of uh, total yardage uh, and points. But Georgia went out and just dominated. Felipe Frank's just not a good quarterback. 13 of 21, 105 yards for Felipe Franks. That ain't going to get it done. He doesn't fit Dan Mullen's offense. Credit to Dan Mullen for getting Florida into the top 10 this year. But Georgia is a lot better than Florida, and it showed in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Penn State gets the win over Iowa, which is why Northwestern now has control. Penn State, by the way, an 11-point underdog going on the road against Michigan. Um, As you run through, uh, I talked about the Kentucky one-point win over Missouri. Cal gets a win over Washington. Washington has fallen apart this year. Chris Peterson, Jake Browning not getting it done. Uh, Mississippi State beats Texas A&M, which is a pretty good win for Mississippi State. Washington State and Mike Leach, the only playoff contender left in the Pac-12 is Washington State. And the only reason the Pac-12 has won at all is because they won a wild game against Stanford. Mike Leach deserves way more credit for what he has done at Washington State than he has received. But for a Pac-12 officiating miscue, and you could probably talk about a lot of these games uh, with Pac-12 mess-ups, in the Washington State-UFC game, 
Washington State could very easily be undefeated right now. Notre Dame played in San Diego against Navy, never in doubt. The Irish now with four games left, a very solid chance to get into the playoff. Oklahoma State knocks out Texas, gets up big and holds on. We got an epic rant from Mike Gundy that I am going to play for you and continuing the fact that you can't figure out anything in the Pac-12. Arizona with a massive win over Oregon. If you haven't heard this Mike Gundy rant, I am going to play it for you when we come back. I'll also go to your calls, 877-996-6369. An epic Mike Gundy rant. I'm telling you, you are going to love this. He went off on Twitter and he went off on social media. But the biggest impact of that Texas loss is there are now only two Big 12 teams still alive for the college football playoff, West Virginia and Oklahoma. Oklahoma got a big win, not surprisingly, because it seems like they've almost blown out everybody uh, except for Army, which they were fortunate to win, and obviously the game that they lost uh, to Texas. But Oklahoma got a big and uh, relatively easy win uh, and now they and uh, and West Virginia are the only two teams alive in the Big 12. I'll take you through the college football playoff uh, race. I'll take your calls, and we'll listen to this epic Mike Gundy rant. When we return, I guarantee you it's going to make your morning. You'll want to hear this. I'm also going to guarantee with you, it's never a good look when you untuck a long, bulky dress shirt. You may think it makes you look casual, but more than likely it just ends up looking sloppy, That's why Untuck It makes shirts specifically designed to be worn untucked. A casual shirt that's not too long and not too short. It's just right. Shirts designed so well, GQ calls them perfection. Untuck It shirts are a go-to from any occasion, from casual to dressy. And not only do they look good, they feel great. Impeccable craftsmanship and attention to detail make Untuck It the only choice for the untucked man. With more than 50 sizing options, every guy can find the perfect shirt. Whether you have a six-pack or haven't seen your abs since college, log on to untuckit.com and check out all the new fall arrivals. Use the promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, for 20% off your entire first-time purchase. You can also visit Untuckit at one of their over 40 retail locations throughout the country. Stop hiding your shirt with your pants and your pants with your shirt. Untuckit.com, your solution to perfecting casual. Use promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, for 20% savings. Promo code CLAY. Up next, Mike Gundy's epic rant, your calls, and my breakdown of the college football playoff picture. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping would be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. We'll get to your calls here momentarily, 877-996-6369. You can react to the weekend that was in college football and the NFL. But up first, Mike Gundy reacting to a question is probably going to make your Monday morning. This is real. Oklahoma State head football coach Mike Gundy, the man who became famous by saying, I'm a man, I'm 40, is now 50, and I think a decade later, He may have topped himself. Here is Mike Gundy responding to a question about his opinion on social media and what Twitter was saying. Listen. 
Criticism where? From where? Twitter, radio. Yeah, oh, I give a rat's ass about Twitter. It's a platform for people that are sitting home trolling an unemployment check, sitting in front of a keyboard. I'm not disregarding what you're saying. Trust me, I get it at my own house. But, I, I mean, I just kind of felt like that social media and Twitter is what's destroying this country anyway. So that's how I feel about it, from politics to sports to whatever. It gives people a platform to and then other people are, like, needling it, and they're sitting at home, and they're late on a payment. So, anyway, that's how I feel. <laughs> that's Mike uh, Gundy doing the fart noises. And actually, in the same way that I feel like Donald Trump was correct in diagnosing the decision to pull uh, Rich Hill in Game 4, I feel like Mike Gundy kind of diagnosed social media pretty well there as well. Uh, big win for uh, the Oklahoma State Cowboys over Texas uh, and so, if you're looking around right now and you're saying, okay, what's the college football playoff picture look like? Here's what my top seven teams would be right now. I think beyond a shadow of a doubt, right now, Alabama is the best team in college football. They may be the best team we've ever seen in the history of college football. And so, I think they are unquestionably everybody's number one, right? I think my the number two team in the country right now is Notre Dame, in my mind. Number three... I've got LSU, and number four, I've got Clemson. Now, you can quibble with the order in which I have ranked those teams, but in general, I would say Alabama, Notre Dame, LSU, and Clemson are the four best teams in college football. Right behind those four, I've got Michigan in my five spot, Georgia in my six spot, and Oklahoma in my seven. Those, to me, those seven teams right now are the top playoff contenders in college football, those seven. What I would say is, if you look right now in the rest of the conferences, Washington State is the only team from the Pac-12 that can make the college football playoff. They would have to go 12-1 and and have good breaks go their way. There are two teams in the Big 12 right now uh, with Oklahoma and West Virginia that are still possible playoff contenders. In the ACC, the only team still contending for the playoff is Clemson. In the SEC, you've got Alabama, you've got LSU, you've got uh, Georgia, and you've got Kentucky. All four of those teams are playing on CBS this coming Saturday. Two of them will be eliminated, and there will be two teams remaining that still have a chance to play in the playoff. Let me take that back. One team might be eliminated. If LSU pulls off the upset over Alabama, then both LSU and Alabama would remain alive to potentially make the playoff. Either Georgia or Kentucky is getting eliminated, I believe, from playoff contention in their game. And if Alabama beats LSU, then LSU would be eliminated as well. I think what's going to happen in the SEC is 12-0 Alabama is going to play 11-1 Georgia. And I think whoever wins that game will go to the playoff. And if Georgia were able to pull off the upset over Alabama, I think probably both Georgia and Alabama would go to the playoff again, just like we saw last year. But we'll see. Kentucky gets a chance to make their case against Georgia on the field in Lexington. And LSU gets their chance to pull off the big upset down in uh, Baton Rouge. By the way, 
Alabama has opened as a 14.5-point favorite over LSU on the road, and Georgia has opened as a 12-point favorite over Kentucky on the road. Both of those games out there, both of those games, the biggest in the world of college football. In the Big Ten, there are two teams still alive for the college football playoff. Ohio State, even though they got whipped by Purdue and Michigan. Michigan's got a big game against Penn State this weekend. Penn State, an 11-point road underdog against Michigan. Michigan, I think, is the best team right now in the Big Ten. Notre Dame. Still very much alive for the playoff. They are 8-0 now. Remember, they beat Michigan in week one of the college football season. Notre Dame might be able to lose a game and still make the college football playoff. I think Notre Dame, if you are a fighting Irish fan, is in really, really good shape as it comes down into the month of November, especially because Notre Dame doesn't have to play a conference title game and they get to sit back and watch and see what happens with everybody else almost like a golfer who posts a score and gets into the clubhouse instead of having to come up on 18 and make a big putt or hit a big shot with everybody all in the gallery surrounding you. Notre Dame, because they don't have to play a conference title game, can lock up a playoff berth. Notre Dame's final four games. Notre Dame's final four games. They will be a pretty substantial favorite in all of them, but they're going to have to play some good teams. And so I don't think it's like Notre Dame just has absolutely nothing to worry about coming down the stretch, particularly if you're a Notre Dame fan and you've seen them lose games a lot over the years. Their final four, uh, they play Northwestern. That's a really tough game for Notre Dame. That's a really tough game. They're about a touchdown favorite in that one. Wouldn't be a stunner at all if Northwestern pulled off the upset. They play against Florida State. They play against Syracuse. And then they finish on the road at USC. All four of those teams have a chance to beat Notre Dame. So Notre Dame not in the clubhouse yet. That's what I would say is the uh, is the college football landscape. I think I hit every major conference. Pac-12, again, just to uh, synopsize this, Pac-12 has one real contender in Washington State, and they're on the outside looking in. The Big 12 has two, uh, Oklahoma and West Virginia. The ACC has one with Clemson. That's it. Uh, the Big Ten has two in Michigan and in Ohio State. And the SEC has four teams still alive for the college football playoff. Alabama, LSU, and Georgia, Kentucky. All four of those teams will play against each other. The SEC East and the SEC West probably going to be decided in Lexington and in Baton Rouge, respectively. All right, let me bring in Ralph Irvin. Then I'll go to your calls, 877 877- 996-6369. You can react to anything I've said about the weekend that was in college football or the NFL. But first, Ralph Irvin, what you got for me? Well, thank you very much, Clay. And the Boston Red Sox are the world champions for 2018. They beat the L.A. Dodgers 5-1 Sunday night to take the World Series four games to one. Steve Pierce with two home runs. He was named the World Series MVP. David Price earned the win going seven innings. He allowed just three hits. On the gridiron, New Orleans won their sixth straight at Minnesota Sunday night, 30-20, while Arizona got their second win of the year, beating the 49ers again, 18-15 the final there. The Rams 8-0. They took care of Green Bay, 29-27, while Adam Venantieri became the NFL's all-time leading scorer with a 26-yard first quarter field goal 
They win at Oakland 42-28. And tonight's Discover Card Key matchup, the Calgary Flames take on the Toronto Maple Leafs at 7 p.m. Eastern. Speaking of matchups, become a new card member and Discover Card will match all the cash back you've earned dollar for dollar at the end of your first year. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations do apply. Patrick Mahomes, four touchdowns. Kansas City goes to 7-1. They take care of Denver 30-23, while Washington is in first place in the NFC East. Adrian Peterson, 148 yards on the ground and a score. They beat the Giants 20-13. Pittsburgh gets 146 yards and two touchdowns from James Conner. He also caught five balls for 66 yards. They take care of Cleveland 33-18. Now back to the Geico Outkick Studios and Clay Travis. We are indeed here live in the Geico Outkick Studios where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And actually, let me go ahead and give you my Outkick Top 10 as well. I kind of ran through it quickly. Uh, let's Do we have the Outkick Top 10 music, Danny G? Here you we go. We do indeed have the Outkick Top 10 music. I'll count down in reverse order. 10 spot, I've got Kentucky. Wildcat fans are all mad at me because I said Missouri was going to win by double digits. You know what? Missouri should have won by double digits. They fell apart in that game, and they should have still won if that pass interference call had been made correctly. Even falling apart in the final five minutes of that game, Missouri would have still won. Can't believe that they blew that call. In the nine spot, I've got Washington State, the Cougs, Mike Leach, are, I believe, the only team in college football to be 8-0 against the spread on the year. They got a big win on the road against Stanford. Central Florida, I've got in the 8 spot. Some people say, well, can UCF get into the college football playoff? I think the answer is no. But the best way they could is if a two-loss Big 12 champ happened and if a two-loss Big 10 uh, champ happened and if a two-loss Pac-12 team happened, then you could theoretically have Alabama, Clemson, and Notre Dame and then maybe, just maybe, the door be cracked open an inch for UCF to slide through. Oklahoma, the Sooners I've got in the seven spot. I've got the Georgia Bulldogs at six. Michigan Wolverines at five. Clemson Tigers at four. LSU Tigers at three. Notre Dame Fighting Irish at two. And the unquestioned kings of college football right now, the Alabama Crimson Tide. I'm going to let the phone lines continue to roll. 877-996-6369. Want to bring in the crew. I haven't given you guys much time to talk. Uh, Danny G, what stood out to you from the weekend that was in college football in the NFL? Your biggest takeaway? Well, the Mike Gundy rant was gold. And I, I didn't get to watch many games on Saturday because I was so busy with the Dodgers. But when I got home and I went to Twitter to see what was going on with college football, it was Mike Gundy, Mike Gundy, and everybody responding and commenting on him. Because I, like you said, over the years – what, 10, 15 years now, we've had such great rants from Gundy. And yes. That, that one is right up there at the top. So that was priceless. As far as the NFL, I watched the Red Zone all day yesterday. How about that hurdle from Kareem Hunt? Amazing. And then he bowled his way into the end zone. We saw that same hurdle a couple of weeks ago on a non-touchdown run. He did it again. It was even a better hurdle. And then into the end zone. It's crazy that you can say Hunt is, what, maybe the fourth best player on the Chiefs? Yeah, I watched a lot. I I watched the Red Zone as well. We should also mention, and I got a lot of this on social media, evidently DirecTV had a major outage for NFL Sunday ticket subscribers across the nation. 
And I know just by looking at my Twitter feed that there were a lot of furious people out there. And I got to say this. The NFL has got to end the NFL Sunday ticket exclusivity with DirecTV. Amen. I think this is the worst decision that the NFL makes. Look, there are a lot of things you can go after the NFL for. But to me, allowing people to watch whatever one of your games they want to watch should be your number one goal as a sports network in uh, as a sports provider in the 21st century. And restricting it to DirecTV and then having, I mean, I can't tell you the number of people who were tweeting me about that. And I know there's a ton of you listening out there across the country who had this issue arise as well. There's few things more frustrating as a sports fan. And you can say we're all spoiled, and certainly we are. But the idea that you could be paying to watch your favorite team's game, and when you sit down in front of your television on Sunday, you're paying hundreds of dollars a year for a DirecTV Sunday ticket, and you're paying thousands of dollars a year probably to DirecTV for a full subscription. And I'm a DirecTV subscriber uh, in my house, uh, actually down in our uh, Florida place. Uh, I've got Comcast here in Nashville, and Comcast has been fine with me, but it is incredibly frustrating. I know that feeling to have bought a game and not be able to watch it. DirecTV should be ashamed. I mean, that was a complete failure on their part, and I think it's a complete failure, frankly, on the NFL's part to continue to allow DirecTV to have exclusivity. I think the NFL needs to severely re-examine every decision that it makes and the way that it distributes its television product in this new television deal they're bringing up. And I've been making the argument, and I'll get on my soapbox again with this, every NFL game needs to be on television for people with cable and satellite subscriptions. You should be able to sit down at 1 o'clock Eastern, noon Central, 11 a.m. Mountain, and 10 a.m. on the West Coast and pick whatever game you want to watch, not just your local team. They need to put every NFL game on for everybody. FS1 needs to have games. ESPN needs to have games. TNT TBS, whatever is necessary in addition to CBS and Fox. They need to put every NFL game on television. Now, they can do it in a way where, uh, hey, you can black it out if you're, like I live in Nashville, and usually Titans games are on CBS. Sometimes they're on Fox. If you need to block out on cable those games so you can only watch them on CBS or Fox, I think that makes sense. I think the overall viewership for NFL product would go up if every single NFL game kicked off and you could watch it anywhere on cable or satellite at 1 o'clock Eastern, 10 o'clock Pacific. I think fans want the ability to pick whatever game they want to see and be able to watch it. Or do what you just said you did, Danny G. You watch the red zone like I do a lot and you flip around and will also maybe go back sometimes to your CBS and Fox games too if those games are close, but I tend to watch the red zone most often. But I would watch the NFL every Sunday like I watch college football, which is I watch a lot of college football, right? I sit down and watch games all day, but I'll jump around based on what the score is in games as to what my primary viewer viewership option is, and that's the way I would watch the NFL. I think the overall brand of the NFL would be increased in value substantially if they yanked away red zone and sold those rights 
to everybody else. Let FS1, let ESPN, let Turner, CBS Sports Network, NBC Sports Network, if they want to bid, let all of them get NFL games on cable and put every single game that kicks off on simultaneously and in this stupid regional sports coverage where you have to watch only your local team. By the way, 877-996-6369. What about you, Roberto? Anything that stood out to you from the NFL college football weekend that was? Well, you know what stood out to me, Clay? I went to the zoo on uh, Saturday. and uh, That's a dad move. Yeah, zoo I went to the on zoo Saturday, yeah, total so, dad move. Right? Yes. I went to the zoo Did on... you wear cargo shorts? Uh, no, I wore shorts, but I didn't wear cargo shorts. Well, the funny thing was that my wife's like, oh, we're going to go feed the giraffe, and all I could think about was Animal Thunderdome when I yes. was waiting in that line. That's all I could think about. I, mean, I almost went to the, we had perfect weather in Nashville, and I was thinking, you know what? I should go to the zoo. Yesterday, the Titans didn't play, and so uh, I watched uh, a lot of NFL, but I also was like, I want to get outside. It's over 70 degrees. Go throw football with my kid, uh, and we ran around. Um, but uh, dad move on Saturday is the ultimate zoo move. Um, what about you, Dub? What you got for me? I mean, Fitzmagic is back. They look like a totally different team when he's under center. I, I don't see in any way. To me, that's all, that's one of the biggest takeaways of the NFL action is I don't see how anybody who watched substantial portions of that game against the Bengals could make an argument that anybody other than Ryan Fitzpatrick should be quarterback for the rest of the year. And you know what? I haven't even seen a single person. It used to be like the Jameis Winston stands would come out whenever I pointed out all of the disaster that is Jameis Winston and has been his performance in the NFL so far. And they would all, you know, like rally to defense, and they'd be like, oh, you know what, he's incredible. You can't you can't do this. J- this is a stat that they just can't respond to right now. First of all, Jameis Winston is tied for the lead in NFL interceptions with 10, even though he's only started three games so far this year. But he's also a turnover machine. He's played 48 games in his NFL career so far. And during that time, he's thrown 50 interceptions and he's fumbled 21 times. That's 48 games he's played, 71 turnovers. Nobody else is even remotely close to those numbers. That's unbelievable from Jameis Winston to have thrown 50 interceptions and fumbled 21 times. 48 games, 71 turnovers. And you just hit it, Dub. I mean, the difference in that team you were like me, right? You saw the way the team was responding. It was like they were like, thank God Fitzpatrick is back. And remember, the benching never made sense to me. He played one bad half in which the whole Bucks were awful on the road against the Bears, and they benched him. And then he came in in the down 18 and led him back immediately from an 18-point deficit, tied the game, had a perfect passer rating. I don't see any way Jameis Winston takes a snap for the rest of the year unless Ryan Fitzpatrick is injured. No, I'm with you. I mean, is there anything better than seeing Fitzpatrick as fired up as he gets? I mean, it's awesome. No, I mean, when he threw the two-point conversion, I mean, he is uh, he's a lot of fun to watch. And look, that Bucks offense, O.J. Howard, stud tight end, got caught the tying touchdown there. Deshaun Jackson demanding a trade. I don't think he'd want a trade if he had Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing to him. And Mike Evans, one of the top 10 wide receivers in the NFL, Fitzpatrick actually makes him even better. I, I just, I don't get it. I don't understand it at all. All right, we will go to your calls. You can load them up, 877-996-6369. Your reactions, top of hour three, we'll dive back into the World Series. Sorry, Dodger fans. The Red Sox are the most dominant dynasty in the world of baseball, really. They've locked up their fourth World Series title and since 2004. 
And also, we're going to talk with Alex Marvez in hour three. We'll see what he thinks about whether Jameis Winston is officially done with the Bucks. Will they re-up on his $20 million uh, bonus? Plus, we haven't really talked about Blake Bortles and the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll dive into that mess too. Are the Jags in danger of complete collapse? All that and more. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Sweet Caroline. I'm sorry, Dodger fans. They've also, by the way, Red Sox fans, taken over New York, New York. They were playing New York, New York in the uh, locker room celebrating. Uh, welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie.net. Use promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. No deposit necessary. Terms and conditions apply. For entertainment purposes only, void where prohibited. Let me go to some of your calls. Uh, let's go to Dan in Missouri. What's up, Dan? Hey, Clay, you know what? I finally somewhat agree with you about James Winston, but if you were the new GM... And you know what uh, uh, Fitzpatrick's magic has been over the years. Uh, you don't want to be Buffalo and, and give him $50 million, and then the next year he becomes old Fitzpatrick. Um, also, I think that Tennessee has the same problem against Eminem Candy, Marcus Mortimorphosis. Uh At first he was a great quarterback, but if you look at him at the last two years, um, I think they have to reevaluate to see if they want to give him $20 million. What do you think about that? And I think the yeah. answer's out there. Yeah, it's a good question. So I, I think you're right. You cannot give Ryan Fitzpatrick a big contract. If I were the GM right now, first of all, I would play Ryan Fitzpatrick for the rest of the year because I would have seen enough to know that Jameis Winston is not my guy. And at this point, I think if you're Dirk Cutter, you're trying to save your job. Now, maybe Dirk Cutter thinks the way to save his job is just to keep playing Jameis Winston, prove that Jameis Winston is awful, and that there's no way to uh, there's no way to commit to Jameis Winston, and then you get to go back in the draft. I, if if the goal is to win football games, then they should be playing Ryan Fitzpatrick the rest of the season. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick can get the Bucks to around eight and eight. I think he can be a 500 caliber coach. I mean, a, a quarterback this year. They're three and four right now. I think he can go whatever the math is on that. I think he can go five and three to or five and four to finish the season. Okay, so I don't think that's an irrational or outside the bounds of acceptable uh, performance by Ryan Fitzpatrick. Then you save twenty million dollars because you let Jameis Winston go. I don't think there's going to be a big market for Jameis Winston. I think a lot of teams may consider him to be a backup. I think that's about it. I could be wrong, but I don't think anybody out there is going to give Jameis Winston anywhere near $20 million. And so somebody will take a chance on him because he's still young, and they'll say, hey, we can fix all these turnovers. So I, I think what you do is you sign Ryan Fitzpatrick for a limited amount, and then you go into the draft and get somebody new. And then you let Ryan Fitzpatrick mentor that new quarterback and that's the way that I would roll with on the Bucks. The Titans, I think, have seen enough to need to pick up to $20 million on Marcus Mariota. He won a playoff game last year. He hasn't been healthy. That's been the biggest issue for Marcus Mariota. When he's been healthy, he's got like 11 come-from-behind wins. They've won a lot of football games because of Marcus Mariota with the Titans. What is his ceiling? I don't know. But I think certainly you need to pick up his option and pay him $20 million next year. Bubba in North Carolina, what's up? Hey, how's it going, Clay? Um, I just wanted to call in. I had a question. Do you think there's a more incompetent manager than Dave Roberts today? <laughs> uh, thanks for the call. Look, 
the decision to pull Rich Hill. I said earlier, when Donald Trump tweets about it and everybody in L.A. agrees with it, Danny G., you were there. Is there a more incompetent manager than Dave Roberts with that decision? No. And the front office has a lot to do with this, too. The only ones I've heard defend Dave Roberts even slightly say, well, he's just doing what the front office wants. And that's where I say, well, then the Dodgers need a manager that has bigger balls and can tell the front office to kick rocks and use your gut in situations where you can see it clearly with your eyes. Stop looking at computer statistics and and the stupid analytics. Yes, we talked about it last week. Those come in handy for the long run in, in, a, in a big chunk of a season, but not in one game, the most important game of the season. Clay, this city is on fire against Dave Roberts. You heard the boos before last night's game. It's going to be a long offseason with the Dodgers. What are they going to do with Dave Roberts? Frazier in Roanoke, Virginia. What you got for me? Oh, wow. Hey, Clay, what's going on? I'm good. Thanks hey, for having me on today. Hey, so a couple of things um, is that, first of all, you know, Jameis Winston, if you compare him to the other quarterbacks in the league, he's not a really good role model, <laughs> you know. Uh, secondly, I wonder if it's psychological when it comes to Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston. Like, if you have one on the bench and one of them struggling, you bring the other one in and they excel and they just kick butt on the field. Maybe just keep one on the bench, the other one struggles, bring the other one in, then they win more games. That's all i got to say. Thanks for all you do. I appreciate you. Yeah, the problem is Jameis hasn't been any good, and Fitzpatrick's been pretty consistently excellent this year. I, I mean, that, that's the challenge. I mean, Fitzpatrick got benched for one bad half after playing three really good games. Jameis Winston's been very mediocre since he came back, and he was flat-out awful. OG in Florida, what you got for me? I want to understand, uh, when Ryan Fitzpatrick became a um, franchise quarterback that he could you know, take over and lead the team to a playoff when we've never seen him do it before? I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. I think he's not awful. And if you have the choice between a not-awful guy or an awful guy, I'm going to take the not-awful guy. When, when has Fitzpatrick ever been not-awful? In uh, this entire season. No, what about his entire career? We what about Jameis' entire career? Are you arguing Jameis Winston should be the starter? Is this Jameis Winston's agent? Uh, we'll come back to him. I'll let you stay on, OJ. You make the case, OG. OG's going to make the case for why – Jameis Winston needs $20 million and should remain the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. When we come back, we'll lead with him at the top of hour three. Somebody make the case for Jameis Winston. We'll do it. I appreciate all of you. First two hours in the books, hour three up next. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. And we're brought to you by Discover Card. We treat you like you treat you. Unfortunately for the LA Dodgers, the Boston Red Sox. Yes, the Boston Red Sox. If we'd been doing this show in 2003, we just said, man, the Red Sox are never going to win a World Series. They're cursed. But since 2004, they have won four World Series titles. Their latest victim, the L.A. Dodgers. Last night, this is what it sounded like as the season came to a close. Machado pinwheels the bat. Nobody on base. Two men out. Bottom of the ninth. 5-1 Red Sox. Sale winds. He fires. Swing! Strike three, it's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. The Boston Red Sox beat the Los Angeles Dodgers 5-1. to 
They win the World Series four games to one. And the Red Sox become the first team in the 21st century with four world championships. Can you believe it? They sprinted from the bullpen. They sprinted from the dugout. They're mobbing each other between third base and home plate. And the Boston Red Sox are the champions for 2018. They win their 119th game this season. Can you believe it? This is the classiest, most together group and the most selfless group of players I have ever been around, uh, Lou and Tim, and uh, they deserve this. They are truly number one in this game. So the Red Sox, fourth title since 2004. Incredible, incredible run for the Red Sox. Dominant in the regular season, dominant in the postseason. They close it out in L.A. in five games for me. Watching these games, what I will remember, I think, the most about this series is, one, the 18-inning game, which the uh, which the Dodgers ended up winning and that I didn't even stay awake for the end of. I fell asleep, like most of you probably did as well. It didn't end until 325, I think, Eastern. But I think also the decision that will be remembered from this series, Danny G, you were there to see it in person. It was the decision to pull Rich Hill in game four, uh, when he had been in the midst of a dominant pitching performance, Puig hits the home run, has that epic reaction where he hits the home run and the pitcher immediately throws his glove down. I mean, <laughs> that was so amazing to see uh, uh, happen. And then even uh, Donald Trump has weighed in, which is really pretty funny because uh, this is probably the only tweet that Donald Trump has sent in the last four or five years that everybody in L.A. has agreed with. And I'm reading from Donald Trump's Twitter account right now. Uh, watching the Dodgers-Red Sox final innings. It is amazing how a manager takes out a pitcher who is loose and dominating through almost seven innings, Rich Hill of the Dodgers, and brings in nervous relievers who get shellacked. Four-run lead gone. Managers do it all the time. Big mistake, exclamation point. Dave Roberts obviously getting called out here by the President of the United States. But I love that Donald Trump's tweet here is so like, and the guy is out there throwing bombs all the time on Twitter. This is the most rational and reasonable of all the sports takes. And as a result, everybody in LA saw this and they're like, man, I might hate Donald Trump. <laughs> But he's right about this. Clay, Donald Trump actually brought the country together with this one tweet. <laughs> I'm on Twitter, and our very own Justin Cooper is retweeting the president and agreeing with him. It really was Armageddon. You could blame the first two games in Boston on Dave Roberts, and a lot of media did. The players, they got to play well, so some of it's on them, obviously. You're a setup guy for a reason. You're supposed to throw gas. You're supposed to get to Jansen. Jansen, of course, gave up that home run, which was bad. But then Ford and worse, Madsen, I think that's the thing. Okay, if you're going to bring relievers in in that spot, bring in the best guys you have because everything your entire year is riding on those decisions. You're going to bring in Ford. You're going to bring in Madsen, who's arguably been the Dodgers' worst reliever in the entire postseason. That is why Dodger fans are so furious. Still, I woke up so mad on Sunday, and that's not like me. I don't wake up upset. And I'm still upset about it right now, as you can hear in my voice. This is going to bother me for the entire week right now. 
Yeah, look, the Dodgers, if they had won that game, would have been tied up 2-2. It probably changes the overall vibe of Game 5. Maybe Kershaw doesn't get uh, lit up like he did with the home run ball. Regardless, the Red Sox are the champs, sweet Caroline indeed, and they've even turned New York, New York into a winning anthem for Red Sox Nation. They've now won four titles so far in the 21st century, the most dominant sports franchise in Major League Baseball from a championship perspective, really, the Boston Red Sox. Talk about how things can change in a hurry. All of the curse of the Bambino and everything else, it's a forgotten story now, especially if you're a young person out there, 20-year-old or so, all they think of is Red Sox dominance. They don't think about trading away Babe Ruth at all. In the Major League, uh, sorry, in the NFL, a lot of big stories to get to. In college football, my four-team playoff right now in the wake of college football week nine. Alabama's my one. Notre Dame is my two. Uh, in the three spot, I've got LSU. In the four spot, I have got right now Clemson. We will get the official rankings from the playoff committee on Tuesday night, I believe. Those will be released for the first time. So we'll see exactly what ends up uh, taking place there. In the NFL, a couple of big games. Todd Gurley decides to take a knee, swings millions of dollars in potential winnings uh, on the line not hitting and the over not hitting uh, as a result of him uh, taking that knee as he went in for what would have been a final uh, culminating score for the Rams there. Uh, Also, we've got a big win last night for the Saints. For those of you waking up across the country who may not have stayed up to watch the New Orleans Saints, they went on the road and won against the Vikings. To me, one of the biggest stories, if not the biggest story going forward in the NFL, is now what do the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do? Because guess what? Fitzmagic came back in, rallied the Buccaneers from an 18-point deficit after Jameis Winston had thrown four interceptions in less than three quarters of football. Fitzmagic comes in and performs in a magic and spectacular fashion. I believe you have to bench Jameis Winston for the rest of the year. There's no way I'm going to give Jameis Winston $20 million going forward. We will get our guy OG who wants to defend Jameis Winston here momentarily. We'll talk also to Alex Marvez. couple of stats for you. Jameis Winston has now played in 48 games in his NFL career. He's thrown 50 interceptions and fumbled 21 times. 71 turnovers for Jameis Winston in 48 games. Nobody else is even close. He's only started three games so far in this NFL season, and he leads the NFL right now in turnovers at the interceptions with 10. He's tied for the lead, even though he's only started three games. I think you have to stick with Fitzmagic. I think you roll with him for the rest of the year. No way you can give Jameis Winston $20 million. I think you have to cut ties. This doesn't even consider the fact that he has been suspended for three games for sexual assault. This is just on the field. It's not even like he's been perfect off the field, but I'm talking about just on the field performance. Is OG still with us in Florida? We got OG. OG, you think the Bucks should stick with Jameis Winston. Make your case. Uh, of course I do. I don't make the contracts, right? So I, I don't, I don't want to go to the contracts. He should get $20 million. But hold on, you have to. But hold on, it's not your contract. He gets twenty million dollars if the Bucks keep him. That's his fifth year option value. So if the Bucks are going to keep him, he gets twenty million dollars. So you don't you don't make the contract, but that's how much he's going to get next year if they keep him. Yes, I understand that. 
But since Fitzpatrick has been in the league, he did it in Buffalo, he did it at the Jets. He did, I mean, we know what Fitzpatrick is, right? He's we an average. Don't really know after forty-eight games. You said forty-eight games. We don't really know what Winston is after forty-eight games. I mean, he never played a whole season. You said he did. What, you don't think forty-eight games is enough to make a decision on whether a guy is your starting quarterback or not? No, but you got to give your first-round pick every chance possible to succeed. All right, he's got Correct. more turn. He's got seventy-one turnovers in forty-eight games. He has and got I, right and now. I, and just, I bet, and I he's leading you, the NFL in interceptions. You had more. So what'd you say? I bet you Fitzpatrick has more. No way, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Just based on what you've seen on the field so far this year, Ryan Fitzpatrick has come out and he has won you two football games. He went on the road and he was good enough to beat the New Orleans Saints, who have only lost one game so far this year. He was good enough to beat the Philadelphia Eagles, who are a pretty good team. They had the ball with a chance to beat the Steelers. Pretty good football team there. He played one bad half against the Bears. The entire team was awful. In fact, the defense was by far. They gave up six touchdown passes to Mitch Trubisky. The defense was the reason why they lost, not Ryan Fitzpatrick. They benched him. Jameis Winston came back threw a couple of interceptions, lost against the Falcons. They were incredibly fortunate to beat the Browns in overtime in Tampa Bay. And Winston threw another couple of interceptions and wasn't very good. And then they were getting blown out when, when Jameis Winston came in and threw four interceptions. I mean, that is evidence on the field through seven games that Jameis is not the answer. So you would stick with him? Uh, of course I would because – we really didn't give him a chance. He's been injured this year. You know, no. once you come back. Jameis hasn't injuries, been I mean, injured. No, no, hold on. Jameis okay. wasn't injured. He was suspended for sexual assault. you got to get a chance to get back into your rhythm at the same time, too, now. His rhythm has been thrown intercepts. Thanks for the call. This is a disastrous argument for OG in Florida. There's no reasonable football fan who can have watched Ryan Fitzpatrick play this year and can have watched... Jameis Winston play this year and say Jameis Winston should be the starting quarterback for the NFL, for an NFL franchise, compared to what these two guys have done. I'm not even getting into the fact that I think if Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans and O.J. Howard were asked, who do you want as your quarterback? I think they would all say Ryan Fitzpatrick. You watch the body language on that team. I think if you ask that offensive line, who do you want as your starting quarterback? I think they would all say Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, I don't disagree. Ryan Fitzpatrick has proven that he is not an elite-level quarterback in the NFL. you going to give $20 million to Jameis Winston? That's crazy to me. I think the Bucs right now, they give the reins to Ryan Fitzpatrick. If Fitzpatrick goes off the rails, truly plays a couple of bad games in a row, maybe you hand the reins back over to Jameis. If the Bucs get eliminated from any kind of playoff contention, maybe you say, okay, Jameis Winston, you can finish the season. The problem is if Jameis Winston gets injured, that $20 million is guaranteed to him. Do you really want to stick? I mean, I'll, I'll pull, the, pull the audience here. Let me pull my crew. Danny G, yes or no? Do you stick with, or who do you go with? Fitz, Fitzpatrick or Jameis Winston? I don't think Fitzpatrick is the long-term solution, but I would go with him right now. 
All right, what about you, Roberto? Agree with Danny there. All right, what about you, Ralph Irvin? Is he there? Yeah, you got you to get rid of Winston right now. It's kind of like what they did in Buffalo with Tyrod Taylor a couple years ago. Can't. All right, what about you, Dub? What do you think? I'm in agreement. So we have how it's relatively rare that all five people, myself, Dub, Ralph Irvin, who's sitting in for Eddie Garcia, Roberto, and Danny G, that we all agree uniformly on an answer. We all agree that Jameis Winston has to go. Does Alex Marvez agree with us? He knows all about the NFL. He's got inside sources all over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the big win for the Rams. What did the Saints' big win say about their status in the NFC? All of that and more. We'll dive into every major story in the NFL with Alex Marvez. He is going to join us next. But before that, we know you're a big sports fan. Football season's here, and a lot of people are excited to wager on games. You can get it on the action with MyBookie.net. MyBookie.net is the industry-leading sports action website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, all your favorite sporting events. You can take aside the total, or you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score. MyBookie.net lets you play online and win big. Use promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie.net has in-game live action on every major league event, even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie.net than today. Go to MyBookie.net to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. Get in on the action. Visit mybookie.net's website today and use promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, to get a 100% sign-up bonus. Mybookie.net, promo code CLAY, C-L-A-Y, for 100% bonus. No deposit necessary. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Welcome back, Geico. Outkick Studios car. Shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. It's a confident show, and Ralph Irvin's going to take us into uh, the update here, and then we'll be joined by Alex Marvez. Thank you very much, Clay. And the Boston Red Sox, they are your world champions. Sale winds. He fires. Swing and a miss. Strike three. It's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. The Boston Red Sox beat the Los Angeles Dodgers 5-1. to one. They win the World Series four games to one. Red Sox Radio Network with the call as they win their fourth title in 15 years. Steve Pierce with two home runs Sunday night. He's named the World Series MVP. David Price earned the win going seven innings, allowing just three hits. Sunday night football saw New Orleans with a good win at Minnesota. They're sixth in a row, 30-20 over the Vikings. The L.A. Rams now 8-0. Jared Goff, three touchdown passes as L.A. beats Green Bay 29-27. Online car shopping can be confusing, not anymore with True Price from True Car. 
Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. A good day for Patrick Mahomes, 303 yards in the air, four touchdown passes. Kansas City corralled Denver for the second time this year, 30-23. to James Conner, 146 yards on the ground, another 66 receiving. He had two touchdowns, and Pittsburgh beat Cleveland 33-18. Now let's go back to the Geico Outkick Studios. Some more NFL talk with Clay Travis. We are indeed here in the Geico Outkick Studios. We're about to be joined by Alex Marvez. He joins us every single Monday in Hour 3. I had to remember what day it was there for a minute. Uh, he joins us every single Monday in Hour 3. And uh, we are here in the Geico Outkick Studios where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. All right, Alex Marvez, right off the jump here. Is the Jameis Winston era in Tampa Bay over? I believe it is. And, you know, here's part of the thing you have to consider as well. And, you know, heaven forbid, I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, wish bad ill upon anyone, but if Jameis Winston were to get injured and weren't healthy by the middle of March, and this is something the Bucks have to be thinking about a little bit here, they're on the hook for $21 million in base salary for Jameis Winston in 2019. That is the fifth year in his rookie option contract, if you understand what I'm saying here. So, you know, we saw with Jason Verrett of the L.A. Chargers, they couldn't cut him last offseason because they would have had to pay him his entire salary. It's the same with Jameis Winston. And at this point, 10 interceptions leads the NFL. But let's not forget, Jameis missed the first three games. You think Deshaun Jackson is talking about wanting to get traded from Tampa Bay if Ryan Fitzpatrick is still his quarterback? And listen, Fitz has his flaws, but at least he doesn't turn the football over nearly as much as Jameis Winston is right now. I mean, this Bucks team, you're talking almost historically bad when it comes to turnover margins and, and things like that, Clay. I mean, they're tied for last in turnover margin at minus 13. They're last in turnovers with 19. Last in interceptions thrown with 15. Oh, and by the way, throw in a defense that's tied for second worst in takeaways with just six. So think about that margin that they're working on here. And of course, you put up 576 yards of offense yesterday against the Bengals, and it didn't matter. You still lose. Jameis got a sit, man. So if he sits and you go with Ryan Fitzpatrick, are you then saying on top of that that you would let him go at the end of the season if you're the Bucks? I think you have to. I mean, what? Because what, what's the end game here? You're going to pay $21 million for Jameis Winston? I mean, what is it? Nick Saban was the one who, who once told, told me, and I'm sure you've heard it, you know, if you keep doing the same things, you get the same results, guaranteed. It's the same thing with Jameis Winston. Those four interceptions yesterday, Clay, when you look at them, they weren't anyone else's fault but Jameis Winston. It wasn't like there was a DB making a great play. It wasn't like there was a tip pass. It wasn't like there was a wide receiver out of position. It was, again, more Jameis Winston, bad judgment when he's throwing the football. He doesn't take care of it. He is far too sloppy with the ball. And after a while, you just have to realize this is what Jameis Winston is. I think this was the game where you just really figure out this is Jameis Winston. Because it's not a supporting cast. I mean, he got a decent enough support from the running game. Mike Evans is fantastic. Deshaun Jackson still one of the game's deep threats. You got two really good tight ends, Cam Brayton, O.J. Howard. Chris Godwin would be starting on other teams. He's their number three wide receiver. I mean, so that's what I think you have to do. You move on from it. Now, what's the answer? At quarterback, that's a little bit tough, right? Because the Bucks find themselves in that netherworld type position where you're, you're too good to get a top pick, like a top three or four pick, uh, you know, and you're probably picking in the middle of the round. But you're not bad. You know, you know what I mean? You're good enough yeah. to, to be in the middle of the pack. So, Clay, I don't know what their answer is. But listen, Kansas City and Houston figured it out, right? 
they made trades for you know for uh, for uh, Deshaun Watson and for Patrick Mahomes, and they were teams that had made the playoffs the previous year, and they're doing just fine. So whoever's running the show in Tampa Bay, and that's one more thing about this Clay to point out here: if you're Dirk Cutter, you need to win now. You do not want to risk your job going another season without a playoff appearance. And I would imagine Jason Light in the same boat, the GM. So you need to put whoever's on the field right now that's going to give you that chance, and Ryan Fitzpatrick does. All right, so what's the value? What is Jameis Winston? Let's, let's say that they say we're not going to give Jameis Winston $21 million. What's he worth on the open market in the NFL? He's a young guy. Would somebody give him 7 or $8 million, $10 million? I mean, yeah. I have no well, idea. I mean, Sam, Sam Bradford made 16 this past year. Think of, yeah. well, let's roll that one around in our head right there, right? And Terod Taylor is picking up $10 million sitting on the bench in Cleveland. So he's one of those guys that a team is going to convince itself, hey, I can fix Jameis Winston, right? And we'll have him as our starter, maybe a short-term type of deal. But I would imagine that, that about $10 million is where he would be at, maybe a little bit more. just depends, too, on if a team sees something in him that, that others don't. I mean, we're talking about a league that gave Mike Lennon a three-year, $45 million contract to Chicago Bears a couple years ago. So there's a sucker born every minute, Clay, and I believe there'll be someone that pays for Jameis Winston. Whether they have buyer's remorse down the road, that's another story altogether. Saints get a massive win on the road, help to exorcise some of those demons that they got last season in Minnesota. Are the Saints the second-best team in the NFC right now? Maybe the first-best, depending yeah. on what we see next Sunday, right, against the Rams, and that is just going to be such a monster, monster contest. And listen, if, if the Rams, if, if they're going to go down anytime soon, I think this is it. This is one of those tough games you're going on the road. Listen, and the Saints, that, that win was big last night, not only because they beat Minnesota and, and exercised those, those demons or whatever, but think about it, too. They just come off that road game against Baltimore, and, and what a tough, draining game that is. And then you go back out on the road to play the Minnesota Vikings, although I do think injuries played a pretty big part in why Minnesota didn't do as well last night. They've got some issues with Kirk Cousins as well. Listen, the, off- the offense is limited here, Clay. They have to throw the football so quickly that teams are figuring out that they can bat down Kirk Cousins' passes. He's actually on a record-setting pace for the most passes deflected at the line of scrimmage in NFL history. So they need to figure out something else. They've got to hope that Dalvin Cook's hamstring comes around and he's able to play sometime soon, maybe be able to open up some things a little bit more for them deep. But for the Saints, listen, Marcus Davenport coming to life last night with two sacks, that's big for this team. Eli Apple, he's going to go through his learning curve trying to get down this defense, but he does upgrade a secondary that needed a little bit more help. And, of course, we know the Saints are going to score points. I think they're the second-best team in the NFC, but next Monday when we talk, they may very well be the first. Are the Jags done? Oh, yeah, they're done. Big time done. But, you know, hey, at least they had a $64,000 party on the way out, right? Can you believe I mean, that story? I mean, well, Clay, you know, I heard about the $32,000 tab you and your family ran up, but that was for a lot of chocolate milkshakes and things like that. And, I yeah. mean, I get it. you got kids, and they're growing, so I understand that. But, I mean, think about that. You know, your team, you, you've lost three straight. You've been outscored 90-28 to 28 in these games. You have a huge contest coming up, and what are you doing? You're going to a burlesque show. You know, before the game, did Doug Marone have a curfew? I don't think anyone's figured this out yet. I'm still trying to get to the bottom of it because guys were out, you know what, past four in the morning? I mean, is when they were being detained early Saturday morning. They did have a walk-through practice the next day. I'm not saying that's why the Jags lost. The Jags are losing because their offense is so beat up and Blake Bortles just simply isn't a difference-making quarterback in the passing game. That's it. They're without their top running back. They're without their top wide receiver. They're onto their third-string left tackle, and they've lost their starting tight end. But other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, the play was absolutely fabulous. You know, in the defense, isn't stepping up either 
They're not playing difference-making football outside of Calais Campbell. Jalen Ramsey had his first interception of the season, but let's be honest, this isn't the same group, the type of impact that they were making when they were talking so much trash in 2017. They're in a lot of trouble, and listen, teams are heating up. The Houston Texans, five straight wins for the first time since 2012. The Colts have now won two straight games for the first time since November of 2016. Yes, I know, making small steps, but nonetheless, a dangerous team down the stretch. And by the way, Indianapolis doesn't really face anybody all that much down the road here when it comes to contending for the postseason. Indianapolis, the only remaining team with a winning record on their schedule, is Houston. So keep an eye on the Colts making a move. And Tennessee's going to putter along. And, you know, we talk about a quarterback decision at the end of the season. Marcus Mariota set to make the same type of base salary as Jameis Winston. Is he a $20 million quarterback? You know, in, in 2019, you know, going into the final year of his deal. But they're still going to be pesky along the way. Uh, Jacksonville just doesn't have it this year. I think the team really overcalculated on Blake Bortles, obviously, in that regard, and thinking that he was going to be good enough to get him there. But again, how do you judge Blake with all the injuries? Well, great quarterbacks lift their teams through these types of circumstances. He is not. Tomorrow is the trade deadline, I believe. Four o'clock Eastern, if I'm not mistaken, uh, yes. the day before Halloween. The Giants go out and get walloped again. They're one in seven. There are a lot of teams right now turning the page, I think, already and saying, let's get ready for next season. We're halfway through. We're out of the running. What guys do you think potentially could be moving? Who's looking to make moves as we come up on this, uh, basically, what, 36 hours left in the uh, NFL trade deadline? The funny part is, who do you want? Right? Who do you want on the on a Giants defense that Adrian Peterson is still gaining yards on? Okay. Apparently, this run that Adrian Peterson had yesterday, his 60-yard touchdown run, is the longest by someone age 33 or older since Jim Thorpe. Okay? Wow. Jim That's amazing. Thorpe. It was the third 149 yards, the third most productive rushing game for a back in NFL history over the age 33 or over since John Riggins and John Henry Johnson, a Pro Football Hall of Famer from yesteryear. Okay, that's where we're at with Adrian Peterson going for yards. Oh, and no sacks along the way as well by the New York Giants. They're lousy. Look, I don't know if Olivier Vernon has some some you know rev, you know some value to a team because he is a very good pass rusher, just isn't really making an impact in this type of system. Janoris Jenkins, even though he gets spun around like a top sometime, you know if Eli Apple has trade value, then maybe Janoris Jenkins does to a team. Landon Collins' name has now surfaced. He's in the final year of his contract, although a potential franchise tag designee for him. We know two guys who aren't going to be on the move. Eli Manning, he's not going anywhere. He has a no-trade clause. And I'll be honest with you, Clay, this may be the swan song of Eli Manning. Like, you know, we just in, it, for whatever you can enjoy of 2018 of Eli Manning, I think that might be it. I just get the feeling that, that this might be it at the end of the year, and he might just call it a career because his skills have just declined to a pretty severe point. And we know the Giants are going to be moving on a quarterback. And where does he want to go to try reinvent himself. Not sure that that's really going to be happening. We know Odell Beckham Jr. isn't on the move, but isn't it amazing, Clay, the narrative about, is Odell Beckham happy in New York? He signed a contract paying him an average of $16.4 million a year, making him the highest paid wide receiver in NFL history. And we've got to, and, and Odell Beckham Jr. is allowing people to go down the road with this narrative about him not being happy? Are you kidding? The Giants are a mess. You see, Clay, the Giants have become the Jets, by the way, and the Jets, while they're not the Giants quite yet, uh, they're, they're far closer in that direction than the Giants becoming the Giants because the Giants are being run incompetently, starting with ownership on down. It is pretty wild uh, to think about. Now, there are a lot of quarterbacks out there. Sam Bradford, you mentioned him earlier. Teddy Bridgewater, Tyrod Taylor. Do you see any quarterback moving between now and tomorrow? 
I don't see it because I don't, you know, with Jacksonville, who do you get? Terod Taylor might be the best guy because he can run for his life and he doesn't commit turnovers, but does he make any impact plays in the passing game? I mean, aren't you just, aren't you just doing the same thing with Blake Bortles? And at least you know Bortles' strengths and weaknesses and can cover him up. Is that really an upgrade? I mean, could you imagine Eli Manning or Sam Bradford? And I know Eli, again, the no-trade clause, he's not going to waive it, but if Tom Coughlin wanted to try to go get this guy, could you imagine him standing back there in the pocket, having it collapse on him and him going down again? I mean, when Booger McFarland called him a lawn ornament, on Monday Night Football, I mean, what a damning indictment of Eli Manning because he can't move. Speaking of can't move, Sam Bradford can't move. He's someone that, that's immobile himself. Teddy Bridgewater, I talked to Mickey Loomis, the Saints GM, about this. Look, he actually wants to keep him beyond 2018. They made that, that trade for a, th- a third-round pick for him. But really, he may just end up being an expense, expensive insurance policy because Taysom Hill is such an intriguing guy. And they actually do refer to him as Jim Thorpe on the Saints. That's his nickname there because he's such a throwback guy. But listen, they're developing him as a QB. He's got arm strength, but, man, he can run the football. He's obviously added an interesting element when they do their Wildcat stuff. So I, I find him a fascinating guy. But I don't see anyone on the move right now. I just really don't play and part of that is because of the nfl itself they changed the rules quarterbacks are getting injured at a much much slower rate than they have been in recent seasons i mean who's out josh allen buffalo's not going to make a move you know who's out there for miami brock osweiler you're going to stick with him but they're hoping that they get ryan Tannehill back sooner than later there really just hasn't been and in san francisco they're going with cj bethard i mean they could have made a move earlier on but instead they're not and i don't envision them because you know really they're going nowhere fast why give up draft picks if you're not winning so at this point, Clay, I think the quarterback market is, is pretty set. I mean, I just don't see anyone making that type of move because I don't see a system fit out there for a team with these QBs that are available. You mentioned that the Saints may be the best team in the NFL. What did you think about uh, a game that a lot of people were watching between the Packers and the Rams? What stood out to you? The, the Rams, you know, listen, they figured the second half, such a different half, right? And they figured out some of the things that the Packers were doing on the defensive side of the football. Todd Gurley right now is absolutely ridiculous, Clay. He is the only running back in the NFL who is averaging 100 rushing yards a game, 800 on the dot. How about this? Priest Holmes and Jim Brown, those are the only other players in NFL history that have 15 touchdowns, 15 through the first eight games of the season. Oh, and by the way, think about this. Todd Gurley doesn't care about the numbers. He cares about winning. This is a guy who goes ahead and, takes, and, and doesn't go in the end zone late in the fourth quarter because he didn't want Green Bay to have another chance to touch the football. And speaking of the Packers, a real interesting story up by Mike Silver at NFL.com about this, about how the Packers are absolutely furious at Ty Montgomery, how Ty went into business for himself. Apparently he was upset at being benched in the fourth quarter of the game and, and other running backs getting spots in the rotation. So even though he was told, take a knee in the end zone, he didn't. He ran out with the football. He fumbled. Aaron Rodgers doesn't get to touch the football again. That's it. If Mike McCarthy and, you know, uh, Gutenkus, the GM, if they don't cut Ty Montgomery today, I just wonder where is this Packers team headed. I wasn't all that bullish on them entering the season. I just think it's Aaron Rodgers and a bunch of other guys. And, it, listen, they're going to be under 500 after Sunday night when they play the Patriots next week. Chiefs. What an unbelievable performance by the Chiefs again. Uh, they win by seven. Uh, are the Broncos basically done? Do you think they could look to unload anybody? Demarius Thomas's name uh, has certainly been out there, along with, I think, Emmanuel Sanders. Like, there's been a lot of talk about them potentially trading a wide receiver. What do you think the Broncos are going to do? What do you think uh, uh, of the Chiefs as we move forward? Are they the unquestioned best team in the AFC? 
I mean, even Demarius Thomas is saying it's like 50-50 if he stays. Part of the problem with Demarius is if you acquire him, it's not like you're acquiring him for the long term because next year he's set to make $14 million in base salary, and we all know Demarius Thomas at this point of his career is not a $14 million a year type of player. I mean, still, he's still good, but not $14 million a year Clay Travis-type money. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> so, I mean, but there's a chance if a team thinks he's a short-term fix for them, he'll make that type of move. Uh, Sanders is going to stay. He still has some juice. By the way, Cortland, and listen, it's a testament also to Cortland Sutton, their second-round pick out of SMU. This guy's been fantastic, and he is ready to take Demarius Thomas' spot in the roster. I don't see anyone else really moving on that defense. Remember, too, or, you know, on, on offense, Vance Joseph, he needs to win to keep his job, right? And, and apparently John Elway is still Teflon right now as general manager of this team, but it has fallen apart over the past three years, and the Broncos are going to finish near the base in the basement, you know, third place, obviously, in the AFC West. But and for Kansas City, Pat Mahomes, this is just ridiculous what he is doing. He is the fourth quarterback in NFL history to throw for at least four touchdown passes in three consecutive games. By the way, three straight games of 300-plus passing yards, seven of them for, um, with 300 or more yards. Only uh, three quarterbacks in NFL history have done it. And the record's eight, by the way, and he may very well hit that Sunday against Cleveland in the first half. So he's just been brilliant. It's been a fun Chiefs team to watch. But you know what, Clay? We don't trust him. I mean, who do we trust? We trust the New England Patriots, right? We don't trust the Chiefs because their defense is still pretty leaky. They gave up 23 points to a Broncos offense that's having its own types of challenges. So we love watching them play on offense, but you just wonder at the end of the day, are they going to be like the 1981 version of the San Diego Chargers with Dan Fouts moving the team up and down the field, yet the defense being unable to stop anybody? Good stuff, as always. Alex Marvez, he joins us in Hour 3 every single Monday. We'll talk to you next week, my man. Sounds great, brother. Thank you. That is Alex Marvez. Go follow him on Twitter at Alex Marvez. We come back, final segment of the show, and I'm going to tell you the thing that I learned the most in both college football and the NFL, my biggest takeaways from the weekend that was in football. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. It's never a good look when you untuck a long, bulky dress shirt. That's why Untuck It makes shirts specifically designed to be worn untucked. Go to untuckit.com to see the new fall arrivals. Untuckit.com, your solution to perfecting casual. Use promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, for 20% off savings. Biggest takeaways from the weekend. First of all, I want to give you my biggest takeaway from uh, the NF, uh, from Major League Baseball. Congratulations to the Boston Red Sox, their fans. You're now the most dominant baseball franchise of the 21st century with your fourth title. It's amazing to think about from a perspective of what the storyline was about the Red Sox for most of my life. And there's 20-year-old kids out there starting off their day listening to us who are like, yeah, the Red Sox are just the most dominant franchise out there imaginable. Um, And my biggest takeaway from baseball is actually that there was such a ridiculous decision made to take out Rich Hill that Donald Trump managed to send a tweet that everybody in the state of California and in the Los Angeles area agreed with. If you haven't seen this tweet, watching the Dodgers-Red Sox final innings, it's amazing how a manager takes out a pitcher who is loose and dominating through almost seven innings, Rich Hill of the Dodgers, and brings in a nervous reliever who gets shellacked, four-run lead gone, managers do it all the time, big mistake. I love that Donald Trump's take there is so reasonable that everybody in Los Angeles, even if they hate Donald Trump as a president, nodding their head and being like, you know what, Trump's got a good point there. Clay, he was throwing 93 miles per hour when he got taken out. He hadn't lost anything off his pitches. He had a one-hitter going. Come on. 
It would have been a complete game. You didn't even have to go to the bullpen. It would have been a totally different series, too, if the Dodgers had stormed back to tie it up at two. Game five would have played out differently. I'm just telling you last night, at an absolute minimum, even if it didn't, even if the Dodgers had lost game five, they would have been able to go back to Boston, to Fenway in game six and game seven, potentially, and had a chance to win. Positive here is all the moms and dads out there, you don't have to worry about a conflict for game (laughs) seven of the World Series going on with Halloween. You can just go have fun with your kids on Halloween, not have to worry about that. All right, my biggest takeaway from the NFL, Jameis Winston is done. I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Jameis Winston era in Tampa Bay is over. His performance, again, the turnover situation, 71 turnovers Jameis Winston has had in 48 games as a starter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 50 interceptions, 21 lost fumbles. That's it. Jameis Winston is what he is at this point in time. 48 games in, he's a turnover machine. The team can't win with him. And I'm not sure that Ryan Fitzpatrick is the answer, but Fitzmagic is better than Winston uh, disaster. So uh, I think you got to stay with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't think you can give Jameis Winston $21 million. I think that is over. Biggest takeaway from college football. Biggest takeaway from college football is, got to be honest with you, Kentucky got an unbelievable gift to them in that blown call where there was a pass interference called on Missouri that shouldn't have happened. Now, the actual impact, and I'm writing about this some today, is that CBS is now going to have back-to-back big-time SEC football games on. Alabama going up against LSU opened right around a two-touchdown favorite, and Kentucky hosting Georgia. They're around a 10-point favorite right now. Georgia is. Both road teams favored by nearly double digits. Biggest takeaway from the weekend that was in college football I think also has to be what Mike Gundy had to say about social media. If you haven't heard this, Mike Gundy is famous for his rant, I'm a man, I'm 40, come after me. If you remember that rant, Mike Gundy was asked his opinion on Twitter and social media in the wake of his big win over Texas, and he had this to say. Criticism where? From where? Outside. Noise. From where? Twitter, radio. Oh, I give a rat's ass about Twitter. It's a platform for people that are sitting home trolling an unemployment check, sitting in front of a keyboard. I'm not disregarding what you're saying. Trust me, I get it at my own house. But, I, I mean, I just kind of felt like that social media and Twitter is what's destroying this country anyway. So that's how I feel about it, from politics to sports to whatever. It gives people a platform to and then other people are like needling it and they're sitting at home and they're late on a payment. So anyway, that's how I feel. <laughs> that's Mike Gundy. And you know what? Donald Trump had a good sports tweet. Mike Gundy, I think, had a pretty good political take there. Wait, Twitter's kind of blowing up the country and the fart noises are unbelievable. 50-year-old man doing fart noises anyway. It's a ridiculous move. The only thing we needed more of was Mike Gundy to do the whole, uh, remember, put your arm underneath your armpit and make the fart noise. My eight-year-old, he loves that. It's his his go-to move. (laughs) Hey, hey, Dave Roberts. (laughs) Dave Roberts in L.A. You know that you have gone and screwed up when you're Dave Roberts. And Donald Trump is more popular than you in L.A. this morning for sports fans. Sports fans are like, man, if only Donald Trump had been the Dodger manager, we'd have tied up that series at 2-2. You know you've done and (laughs) gone and screwed up. 
when Dave Roberts is out there right now and people are like, if only Donald Trump had been in the Dodger uniform in the bench, we'd be tied up coming into game five. That's how bad Dave Roberts' managing job was. Congratulations to the Red Sox. Sweet Caroline. They've even managed to colonize now New York, New York and turn it into a Boston anthem. Good job by uh, the Yankees on that move. Love the show Monday. Go download it. Follow me on Twitter at Clay Travis. I'm out. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.